0: From fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com.
1: Jones. Baden. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four. And England have won the match.
0: Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, a gloomy tone for us I suppose because the hopes of an England revival were dashed in the space of about three overs uh, this morning at the Gabba when Cameron Green took the wicket of Joe Root and also of course uh, Milan, so the two overnight batsmen gone within the space of about 20 minutes and then it was just uh, almost a procession really Simon. Uh, What's the mood like amongst your English contingent of commentators and how did you sum up the day? Well,
1: first question, I think a sense of realism. I, you know, I think everyone felt that Australia was still in a very good position despite England's excellent play, excellent batting on the third day. Story of the day was England needed to bat through the first 10 overs and a bit of the new ball, possibly only lose one wicket to give themselves a chance. They lost three wickets before the second new ball and then two wickets quite soon after Australia had taken the new ball and there was no way back. I think you know I think once Milan went, I think it was a really big psychological blow. Nathan Lyon took his four hundredth test wicket, so he was on a high and he helped run through England. He took four for twenty-one today from ten overs. Innocuous, not not quite innocuous so far, but he was he was wicketless England had kept him at bay, but he was right back in the game. And actually, it was, it was Lyon and Cameron Green today who did most of the damage. They shared six wickets between them, and no-one really from England resisted for very long. And the game was all over, 20 minutes after lunch, with Robinson taking the wicket of Kerry, who was bumped up the order with, with Warner injured. So England thumped, really. Another tale of, uh, of woe at the Gabba. It's, you know, it's a familiar story. We've talked about it a lot in the build-up. Don't lose at Brisbane, but actually what's happened is England have been thumped again another heavy
0: defeat at the Gabba Mm. and uh, it mainly kind of justified our our sort of pre-match predictions although uh, when when we went to the specifics I think from yesterday's predictions we both got the idea I think that that England were going to lose you were quite uh, evasive about (laughs) the the outcome of the day in terms of you know who was actually winning whether whether Australia would actually win because you said end of the day's play, 30 for none, Australia. But you didn't actually really uh, elaborate on whether that meant they were chasing a target or just 30 for none overnight. Whereas I said, Australia, 80 for three, one by seven wickets. So I think I'd have to say, uh, I'll, give, I'll give you the points because you did say 30 for none. I mean, you were typically kind of quite the fence city in that, that you didn't really, that we weren't that specific about what the outcome of the match actually was, but you were closer 30 for none Australia than I was. So I'll give you a point for that.
1: Well, that's very generous. So I take a one-nil lead into the Adelaide Test match. So I, I've won one day. The other days we were all square in this in this Test match. Obviously, we didn't predict the first day because you don't know who's batting first. So it's pointless to try and predict the first day without knowing you know, who, who who is actually taking first strike. That's very generous of you. Yeah, I did say the closer play score would be thirty for no wicket Australia, and they were twenty for one. Actually, I thought at one stage it was going to be twenty for no wicket, but Carey uh, nicked off against Robinson, caught behind by Butler. Uh, for nine, you 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 were guilty of being too specific, yours. But I mean, all, all we had mm. to say was what you know who was going to be batting and what was going to be the score. So, but you know, but fair play to you, actually, you called it as well. Really, you know, you said you thought the game would be done in four days, Australia winning by seven wickets, and it. it you know, for all the optimism of the third day and and that Root and Milan partnership, you know, you have to you know you have to sort of accept the cold hard realism of it. That, that England have a fragile batting lineup, Australia have a pretty good bowling lineup, and you know, and and it's a Gabba pitch and it's are un, unfamiliar conditions, and you know, England, you you felt the the most likely outcome was that they were going to succumb, and they did rather tamely actually.
0: Mm. Yeah. And one prediction that we did get right was that the first 10 overs prior to the second new ball were going to be vital. And if England could get through those first 10 overs and be there, Root and Milan intact when the second new ball was taken, that would give England at least a hope of of getting a sort of total of around 400 course not only did Root and Milan depart in those first 10 overs but they lost uh, Oli Pope as well so it was three men out in that first 10 overs and that, that really just left the uh, obviously Butler and Stokes good players but against the second new ball they were always going to struggle on a fourth day pitch against that high caliber of attack and that's exactly how it proved so my hopes in England getting 350 were, were totally dashed and they didn't even make 300 in the end, I mean, one point you make there that essentially England have a fragile batting lineup and Australia have a very potent bowling lineup, kind of makes me think. Well, winning the toss and batting first, which is what obviously Joe Root did, was a risk. I'm not necessarily saying he had any other other option because you know history tells you that putting teams in at the Gabba is dangerous, and also you know there wasn't a, a massive amount of evidence to suggest that you should. Field first, except that it had been raining quite a bit in Brisbane. There was a lot of green in the pitch, uh, so I, I guess from the sort of initial entrails, you could say, yeah, put them in. But in the, the main reason for me doing that would be our strength, England's strength, is bowling and not batting. So let's play to our strengths. But then they didn't pick Stuart Broad, who would have been a big asset if we, if England had, had bowled first. So. I don't know. I mean, it's easy to blame Root for these decisions in hindsight. I certainly think it was a massive mistake not to play broad. Whether it was a massive mistake to bat first, you know, maybe it was. Let's hear from Joe Root, actually, because he he
1: spoke at the press conference after us. We're going to hear two little bits from him, two extracts from his press conference. He is going to address in a moment, the issue of the toss and the team selection. Uh, but, but first up, just on uh, today's play, you know, he was asked about the importance of, of getting through those first 10 overs and then getting to the new ball and beyond without too much damage. This is what he had to say about what England came up with today.
2: Yeah, it was frustrating. We obviously knew how important that first hour was in particular. You know, we knew it was going to nip around a bit again and there was that extra bit of bounce and, and zip with it, with it being a little bit harder. So it was really important that we got there unscathed and, and unfortunately losing those three wickets ahead of that was, was bitterly disappointing because we had put a lot of good work in last night. We built that big partnership and you know, that was it was really on me and and David to, to make the most of that opportunity this morning. Credit to Australia, they put the ball in good areas. You know, it can be frustrating sometimes. You feel like you've played extremely well and you make one mistake and you know, you, you're know back on your way. So they're the harsh lessons that we've learned throughout this Test match Credit to Australia, taking every chance that's, that's come their way. And you know, I can't say the same about ourselves. So I, I look back at this morning with a, a little bit of disappointment, but ultimately uh, when you're 40 for four in the first inning, it's very difficult to get back into the game. And, and when you create as many chances as we did with the ball and not take them, it's very difficult to look back at just
1: this morning and think
2: that that's where the game was, was lost for us.
1: Interesting from Root there talking about Australia taking their chances and England not taking their chances. Well, there, there were chances for England. I mean, the main one, of course, was the fact that David Warner was, was dropped by Rory Burns. That felt like a big moment. We identified that, of course, in one of our earlier podcasts. But the other drop catches were when most of the damage was done, to be honest. Butler dropped a difficult chance. Hamid dropped a difficult chance. There were, I suppose what he was possibly referring to was a couple of run-out opportunities as well, one against Steve Smith, although he didn't last much longer, and one against David Warner. Warner was on 60 when Hamid missed the stumps from close in and Warner went on to make 94. So, yeah, there were opportunities, but it wasn't as though there were bags and bags of opportunities, but Australia did grab everything. I mean, they were excellent in the field. They really were. Their catching was excellent. Okay, so that was Root on today's play. What about Root on team selection and toss decision? I think bang first was the right decision.
2: If you look at how the wickets unfolded, I think, as I say, being 40 for four makes it not look the case. And, and credit for Australia, they exploited those conditions a little bit, but it did didn't. It did quicken up, and we showed that we could create chances that second day. And as you saw today, it didn't start misbehaving a little bit more. You know, you look at getting 250, even, in that first innings, and, and the game looks very different altogether. Now, I look back at the toss and I think I'd have done the same thing. I think speaking to Pat, he would have done the same thing as well. He'd have batted first. So, you know, I'm not too worried about that. In terms of selection, I wanted a balanced attack, wanted to be able to change the momentum of the game. And we went with the, the spinner. And credit to Australia, they, they took on they took Leachy, He had to bowl on that wicket at his worst. You know, I felt facing Nathan last night, as quality as he is, it it felt like you could score quite freely off him and you could rotate off him on that surface and probably actually put a lot of that on myself, being slightly too aggressive with his fields early on, didn't let him get back, get into the series and get into the game and made it very difficult for him from that point onwards. So probably more on my shoulders there and how I managed him rather than looking at the selection of of how we went about things.
1: So absolutely no backtracking at all uh, from Joe Root. We got the decision right on the toss. He says Australia would have batted first as well. And as for the team selection, we wanted a a balanced side. So we played Jack Leach and he actually blamed himself. He said, you know, i perhaps set... Fields that were a bit too attacking for for Jack Leach at the start, but I mean it was obvious that Australia were going to come at Leach, and they did. I think anyway, everyone we all sensed that was going to happen. You know, as we were commentating, watching the game, here's Leach. What's Australia's approach going to be? And they attacked him, and they did. They just took him down, and you know, I mean, I we, we we've talked about it a bit. I would have played five seamers, five seamers, and 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 Joe Root to bowl on that surface. I just. You know, I just felt that that would be the way to go. And you know, I mean, actually, Jonathan Agnew made the, you know a really good point. He's a you know a former tall pace bowler that, that played for England. He said, you know, Broad would have been useful on the first morning, and you know, he actually would have been useful on, on an uneven pitch as well at the at the back end of the game. And so, play play Broad. You know, play Broad over Leach. That's what I would have done. England didn't do it. They wanted a balanced attack. Of course, the other thing that's happened, you know, subsequently. Is that England have been fined 100% of their match fee and docked five World Test Championship points for a slow over rate? And of course, you, having a spinner in your side should mitigate against that. But you know, so five seamers, you know, doesn't help with your over rate, does it? That you know, that's one thing to say. But actually, you know, you've got to get the I you sort of feel you've got to get the match tactics right first up. And you can, you know, if you with a bit of drive, you can get through your overs. They're going to have to, in fact.
0: Yeah, obviously it's a, a sort of adding insult to injury at the end there uh, with that fine. But I guess you know when we look at it in, the, in the sort of raw light today, both teams, England are not as good as Australia, really, especially in Australian conditions. Australia are better. Therefore, England have to play A above themselves and B take every opportunity that they that they're offered. And they didn't take that key opportunity after lunch uh, of Warner which would have been a massive boost to them to get rid of water just after lunch on the second day. And then just the other things like Jack Leach not bowling particularly well, bowling a lot at left-handers, which obviously he's he's not particularly good at, or left-arm spinners in general aren't as effective against the likes of, of Travis Head. And later on, he had to bowl at Alex Carey and then Mitchell Stark. The bowlers were not quite on it. I think Mark Wood was outstanding. Robinson pretty good, though he faded a bit. Uh, Chris Wokes wasn't quite at his best, I don't think. So, uh, And obviously the batsmen, Rory Burns getting out first ball of the game. Uh, Hammy not lasting that long. Joe Root getting a duck in the first thing. You know, all those kind of things. England needed everything to go well to have a chance of winning this test. And they squandered opportunities and didn't play their best cricket. You could say Australia forced them into mistakes. Well, that's true as well.
1: Yeah, I think it's a really good point, yours. In these conditions in Australia especially at the Gabba England not quite good enough not quite as good as Australia.
0: Well it might not be feeling like a beer right now but Beer 52 is a craft beer supplier like no other sending experts all around the world to find the best beer available anywhere on this planet. And in true Christmas spirit, Beer52 are offering listeners of this podcast 10 free beers. All you have to do is go to www.beer52.com cricket and cover £5.95 for postage to claim your free case. Each month, Beer52 members receive a new case, usually from a different part of the world. Members have had beers from more than 40 countries across five continents. If dark beer is not your thing, stout or whatever, simply choose the light option instead of a mixed case. And as well as the delicious beer, you'll receive Ferment magazine, which delves into the beers, breweries, and themes of beer making around the world. And you'll also get two delicious snacks to wash down with the beer, so your appetite and thirst is quenched all in one go. And it might just take your mind off the cricket. Go to beer52.com/cricket. And after claiming your free case, you will join the monthly beer club, which is £24 a month. No minimum commitment. Pause will cancel any time. One of the really bizarre things that happened on the fourth day,
1: those people watching the, the television pictures, not just in Australia, but all around the world, well, you just lost them all they just went they just vanished and it was not a short disappearance of the pictures as well it's quite a long one it lasted for something like 30 40 minutes which is extremely rare i mean sometimes the satellite feed goes down and you, you know the, someone in the studio has to pick up for for you know 30 seconds or a minute or something like that but you expect to get them back but this was a power outage at the game and one of the, the generators they couldn't get the generators working as well the sort of backup generators so i mean it's incredible i mean you know, the, the, People in Australia as well, Channel 7, Fox, they just lost their pictures. And because lots of the commentary team were actually not at the ground because of the, the, you know, the difficulty of getting into Queensland, you know, they were completely in the dark. Commentary teams in, in Melbourne and, and Sydney,
0: really sort of bizarre situation. I mean, what was it like back in the UK? It was, it was interesting. It, it shows how reliant we are on TV coverage and how outstanding the TV coverage of the game is when it's all working. And The only uh, coverage in England was uh, BT Sports' lone camera, which is mainly there to interview Glenn McGrath on the pitch side, you know, in between sessions. And it was a a sort of low angle, deep extra cover. Actually, it was quite interesting because um, Alistair Cook made the point in the BT studio that it, it almost showed you how fast the bowling is. You you often forget that when you're watching from behind the arm because you can see the ball going all the way down and you haven't got that sense of, of pace quite the same. But when you're watching Mitchell start from deep extra cover, uh, charging into bowl and slinging them down and uh, Stokes shouldering arms and the ball flying through chest high, uh, it does bring home how quick the Bowling is, and there was one ball that Stokes sort of flinched at, and it whacked him on the glove and went away on the leg side. And you're sort of thinking, Wow, I want to watch this from behind the sofa. Uh, it, it was a bit like the uh coverage of <laughs> cricket from the 1930s or something. Um, you expected that the voice to say, yeah, And in came Jardine to, to help his team get through to the close of play. Actually, I quite enjoyed it for you, you for 10 minutes, it was all right, and then after that. When you couldn't really see what had happened, you saw a magnificent drive from Joss Butler, but no idea whether he missed the ball completely or hit it to extra cover uh, straight to the field, or it went for four because you couldn't see the umpire. So uh, we were a bit in the dark, but it it was quite interesting. And it basically just reminded you that how good TV coverage is generally. The other thing to say as well, of course, is that in a way nothing
1: dramatic happened while they lost the, TV pitch. I mean, you had a, a morning where seven wickets went down for whatever eighty odd runs, but actually, I don't think a wicket fell at any, any moment. Imagine if that had been a really crucial passage of play. Imagine if it, you know, it had been thirty to win with three wickets left. I mean, the, the, the frustration among viewers would have been immense, wouldn't it? Or, you know, not just in Australia, but all round the world as well. In a in a way, um, the, the sort of TV companies got a bit lucky because a, a wicket didn't fall. Like there was, you know, wasn't there wasn't a drop catch or anything uh, contentious, and they the sort of half got away with. With it and you're able to see all the wickets and those people have stayed up. I imagine people, well, it's possible that people took a view after England lost those first two wickets, because that I mean, that sort of felt like the end of it, didn't it? When, when Root nicked off after Milan had gone, you thought, well, Root's still there. Possibly England could, you know, build a, a decent total and try to put pressure on Australia on a pitch that be a little bit up and down but once Root was out you just thought that was it and you could all you, here in Australia you know you, you're trying to keep people interested uh, with you know with the radio commentary you're hoping people stay with you through the night you know that people sort of wake up at various times during the night but you want people to stay with you it's a Friday night you know, not not long before Christmas, you want people to stay with you. As soon as Root nicked off, you could just, you could almost hear the sound of everyone turning their radios off and thinking, that's it, and, You know, here we go again, and, and you know, off to bed. So, uh, you know, well, that, that's what that's what it felt like here. Um, What about the rest of the series then, yours? We've, we've said, you know, we've made the point that this Australian side, if they play well, pound for pound, uh, you know, look better than this English side i mean england do have stokes back and they do have a bit of firepower in the bowling and they got root in in golden form has been had a magnificent year but they've got probably too many holes in their side too many problems what 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 happens from here i mean are we looking at another heavy defeat are we, we, we we both said at the start didn't we 3-1, 3-1 to australia It felt about right at the start of a few uncertainties because of you know all the the, the build-up and Australia changing their captain. But is it after what you've seen of the first Test match, does it feel like, oh, here we go again, you know, I don't know, 4-0 last time, 5-0 the time before?
0: No, actually, I I don't think it does. And I think England will be lifted by the idea of a a day-night Test match with a pink ball Uh, in Adelaide. uh, Anderson and Broad, their two crackerjack fast bowlers, will be back in the side and will be enjoying the prospect of, of bowling with the pink ball. It's a bit like... Cummins and, and Hazelwood having a go at England at the Gabba and really salivating because they know it's in, in their uh, domain. They're, they're the, that's the kind of conditions they enjoy. Uh, by contrast, this is going to be England's sorts of conditions uh, playing at, at Adelaide with a pink ball. So I think that will give England some optimism. I mean, I, I worry about the, the, their batting generally still. Uh, I worry about Rory Burns. I think Hamid actually acquitted himself okay But Burns just looks to me a a, a bit vulnerable and, you know, apart from Root and and actually Milan played well, didn't he? So, you know, those numbers three and four were giving them Mm. some confidence going into that second Test match. Stokes and and Pope haven't really made runs yet. I mean, Stokes had a disappointing match, but then I think I suppose we should be relatively forgiving because he hasn't played any cricket for six months. So... He'll come back. He'll he'll contribute at some point. I don't think England need to be too gloomy. I think they could easily come back and make it one all, honestly. And especially, Australia may well lose Hazelwood and Warner. So, you know, in a way, England might come into the second test stronger and Australia weaker. Yeah, well,
1: I mean, that's a very optimistic view. Uh, What I would counter that with is that Australia won every pink ball test match they played at Adelaide. So every day-night game they've won, so their record there is good. So you might say that it favours England a bit, and there, there is some encouragement there. And I remember Jimmy Anderson bowling Australia out in the second innings uh, last time round. And, and England getting, well, they got within 100, didn't they? They lost about 120 runs, and there was some excitement on the last day because they wanted about 180 with six wickets left. But, but they ultimately lost the game. So, that, yeah, there might be some encouragement there for a, for Anderson and Broad, but Australia are good with the pink ball under lights at Adelaide. So there's, you know, there's that. They'll be thinking, well, they think they're good, but actually we're better. Uh, there is some, you know, possible encouragement for in, in the Josh Hazelwood's got this slight side change, It's a strange one actually, because he, he only bowled eight overs uh, yesterday and, and people thought well that's a bit strange you know Australia pressing for victory and he did have a scan you know th- and they did find what they call was a slight side strain but he did bowl on the fourth day he bowled six overs so you know you, you know what it's like with a if you've got a side injury as a bowler you, you've got to be really careful so it may well be yeah. That, you know, Australia have to err on the side of caution. Pat Cummings was saying his post-match press conference, you know, that we we do need to look after him. Otherwise, you know, he could be out of the series. You know, he he plays in Adelaide and and it it goes, you know, you'll be out the series with a side strain, won't you? It's back to back to back. And you, you know what that's like as a pace bowler. You've got to be really careful.
0: I wouldn't risk it. I really wouldn't. If there's any kind of niggle like that. By bowling in a test match, you're just going to make it worse, aggravate it, could be out for a couple of months. So I wouldn't risk Hazelwood in the second test. I think he, he needs to rest and, and make sure it's all right for, for the Boxing Day test match in Melbourne, and which means, I, I guess, a Jai Richardson or something like that will come in. And that just gives England a little bit of optimism because Haywood, Hazelwood is outstanding. Uh, he just never gives anything to the batsman at all. He's at you constantly. And uh, you know that, I think, will be some relief to England to have somebody else to, to face instead. Except that Jai Richardson has taken 23 Sheffield Shield wickets at 13. But I, I take Can you point. stop arguing with me, please?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, Can you stop coming up with relevant facts? <laughs> uh, well, but you're right. I mean, Hazel is a class bowler, isn't he? And, you know, England will be encouraged if he's not there. I think that's definite. But Richardson is a decent young bowler as well, who's very capable of bowling well with a pink ball and, you know, just taking Australia forward as well. You know, he'll, he'll have something to prove. But. Yeah, would not there. Yeah, a little bit towards England, but I, st- I still think they've got a you know a really big task ahead of them, and it, you know it's, it becomes a massive game for them, doesn't it? If they go two nil down, with three to play, and you have to, you know, you have to. Win the series to regain the Ashes. I mean, then it's, it just becomes—you know—you're almost into snooker territory, then, aren't you? Really? Well, they they, they came up with a snooker uh, maximum in the first innings, one-four-seven. <laughs> but it's you know. a good segue that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, in the next three games, they—you know—they would need—they would just about need snookers to, to to regain the Ashes. The the last test will be in Hobart. Uh, so yeah, if England can sort of stay in the series, I, I mean, it's a big if. Then you think, well, Hobart, you know, that again, that in theory might bring their bowlers into it a bit. A day-night game in Hobart, you know, can be quite chilly in the evening. You know, you'd think it might nip around there as well. But it's, it's a long haul to get there and, uh, and still uh, be in the series. Sorry to be so
0: um, <laughs> clueless. I think I can, it should I, be double or quits. <laughs> I think, you know, if England go 3 nil down... Then they should play the last two tests at double especially with the last test in Hobart. It should be double or quits really. <laughs> like you do in golf when you're well, you know, sort of five nil down or something.
1: Well, I did. I did suggest on air to Stuart Clark today, the former Australia bowler. I said, you know, in those old days when they used to play twenty-two against eleven. You remember, you know, the nineteenth century. Ooh. It was the you know the eleven yeah. of Eng- England against the twenty-two of what, what, whatever Victoria, Victoria or New, yeah, South, yeah. And yeah. New, New South Wales. I, I said, well, Australia should be allowed to have one innings, and England should be allowed to have two. And it was, that was just to the point where England were about to wipe off the deficit and go ahead. So yeah, so uh, under that, uh, England won this Test match, I think, by three wickets. Um, they for some strange reason and they played on and allowed England's last three wickets to fall and Australia went out to bat to chase 20 but actually England won this Test match by three wickets under, under sort of like old rules oh dear I'm, well we're trying to find, we're trying to find some positives there were one or two positives England did bowl well at times and there was that Milan and, and Root partnership but yeah it's a, it's a decent Australian side and we said it at the start of the series that you know, they've, got some, they've got some good play, and Cameron Green as well um, I gave him mm. a bit of a punt didn't I before the, the Test match out first ball but he picked up two good wickets today, including the, the, the big one, uh, yeah. Joe, Joe Root. And, you know, he, he's taken three wickets now. So he's off and running in, in the bowling stakes. He looks a really good young cricketer. The other thing about Cameron Green as well, he's massive. And he, the ball, he's got these huge long arms. So when he fields in the gully, it's like having three gully fielders because he's got such a big reach uh, to his Wingspan. Left. Yeah, yeah. Big, exactly. Big, big wingspan to, to left and right. Ben Stokes probably needs to join in doesn't he Oz we we did you did mention that just now a you know, d- disappointing game for him but you're right i mean he's had so little cricket as indeed have so many of the england players but stokes 14 and 5 in this test match and also naught for 65 with the ball from 12 overs it's a strange dismissal and crucially
0: thing. of course he doesn't field at, at slip either no, at the moment no. he's looking after his finger so he doesn't get into the slips Opportunities, though, for new Ashes Heroes to be made in the next four test matches. And I mentioned that because we've created this website, ashesheroes.com, to sell or offer for sale a, a series of Ashes Heroes NFTs, non-fungible tokens, digital art. Uh, you can join our website and have a look at those uh, pieces of digital art and actually collect them yourself. It's a bit like a digital version of Panini stickers. And you know it's 60 years since the Panini sticker was first invented, those football stickers, football cards that you used to collect and stick in a book. So this is the digital version of them, the Ashes Heroes NFTs. Go to ashesheroes.com and have a look at those. We've got Monty Panasar actually, for sale at the moment. And he was an Ashes Hero because of that amazing last wicket stand in 2009 to hold off Australia at Cardiff with Jimmy Anderson. And just one other thing to say, and that is looking ahead to the second Test match, we have Mike Hussey. Mr. Cricket, in our virtual cricket club on Monday night at 8.30pm, direct from Adelaide, where I know, Simon, you will be as well. Uh, So we're going to hear from Mike Hussey, his take on the first test, looking ahead to the second test as well, and talking about his cricket career as well. You can ask him a direct question if you join us in our virtual cricket club at worldsbestcricketclub.com. And you'll be there, won't you? I hope so. I
1: haven't looked at the time differences in the time zones yet and what time of the morning that is in Adelaide. I know Mike Huss is getting up. Well, I'll I'll, I'll endeavour to be with you there. as Not as well, that Jos. early. OK, all right. OK, I'm being told off now. Um, and we'll be back with more uh, when we review the first day of the Adelaide Test. Actually, remember, it is a pink ball game, so it's sort of more in the UK time zone, more play in the UK time zone. So you won't have to stay up through the night to... Listen to England's Misery. You can just follow it as it, as it happens uh, early in the morning. So I think we're about four o'clock start uh, UK time. So anyway, we'll, re- we'll review the day's uh, play around about lunchtime uh, UK time. So we'll speak to you on this feed then. Uh, goodbye for now. <laughs>